This is Melissa Hale Spencer, the editor of the Altamont Enterprise, and we're here this morning in a charming early 1800s farmhouse with Ev Rao. And Ev Rao has become an icon in the Altamont area. I have for years written about his work at the museums with the old equipment in the Altamont Fair. He even once harvested thatch for a Shakespeare and Elizabethan stage in the appropriate manner. And he became really preserved for all of us in a wonderful book with the stories of his life that he told to Laura Shawl. It's called Stand Tall Against the Odds. And at age 98, Rao has in his lap, because he's a very practical man, he tells me notes for his obituary. So what we're going to do this morning is walk through his life as he tells us from his notes about the things that were most and are most important to him. I thank you very much for the opportunity to share this because to me, people know a lot about me, but there's some nice little fine points that I want to bring out. Early on in our marriage in 1943, Peg and I joined Gifford's Grange, which was a farm-oriented organization, and they worked for the benefit of the farmers. One of the people that really helped shape our lives, because you when you stop and figure that we were we were just common farm workers and we met some people that helped us raise our sights to become the people that you're writing about today and one of the one of the names i must mention is uh, Van Wagenen. And he he was a he was the first man that I had witnessed stand up in a crowd and be able to talk in a way that it would benefit the farmers and the grange. And I shall always be indebted to the Van Wagenens and also the Van Wagenen that wrote a book uh, uh, momentarily it it slips my mind it's uh it's almost there, but what was the book about uh, the Golden Age. Of homespun. 
The Golden Age of Homespun. That's a wonderful name. We kind you, of lost that homespun. If you want to live in a romantic period of civilization, get the book out of the library and read it. You will feel fulfilled once you are finished with that book. That's another thing that uh, very few people know. Um, my son Ernest was uh, remodeling an old antiquated building on County Line Road. And of course, the original building was built with uh, just round, round roof rafters, which were not totally unacceptable for the modern building codes. And so these rafters that had been tall, proud pine trees at one time and served for years to protect an old ancient family in a little house on County Line Road. But they were taken down. Like many of us, we're almost ready to be successful for a long life of honest work and so on. But somebody comes along and tosses us to the ground. We're not needed any longer. We're not needed, definitely. So these timbers lay down the ground. But somebody came along. His name was Ev Rao and picked up the timbers and said, you know, you've served for a hundred years or more. I have another service for you. You have probably seen the three crosses on Easter, on Good Friday, carried on the streets of Altamont. I have. There's a procession where they walk to the church. These discarded pieces of wood became the three crosses that I don't know how many years they have been walking with these crosses. And I'm very proud that I had a little part in continuing the life of these tall, proud pine trees representing the crosses that we worship today. That sounds like a, a well-thought-out metaphor that you have there, this idea of the, the pioneer trees sheltering a home becoming worthless in the modern age, and yet you adapted it for a new use, which yeah. is a lot a lot of what you've done with your life. Yeah. And Mr. Rao now has held up his magnifying glass to read his notes on his next point that he'd like to make on his long life. One of the... Uh, one of my greatest memories is watching 
my wife work with my mother. My mother had no girls. My wife lost her mother at the age of three. And so the night I brought my prospective girlfriend out to enjoy a dinner my mother cooked, I found that I was confronted by two people that had found each other in the dark. So your wife found a mother and your mother found a daughter. Yes. That's lovely. Yes, yes. And uh, we were fortunate that that lasted for quite a few years. How long were you and Peg married? We were married in uh, um, June 20th, 1943. Briefly, I walked through the payroll department in General Electric and looked through the through the uh, uh, iron iron uh, safety bars of the of the payroll department because we pe- people were paid in cash in those days, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, somewhere. Behind those bars, somebody looked up at me and smiled. And that was Peg. And that was Peg. And I knew her for almost 75 years. And on the wall behind Evrao, it says, All because two people fell in love... And underneath that plaque are pictures of children, grandchildren, and I'm guessing great-grandchildren. Yes. Yeah, a whole wall full of, <laughs> of lovely portraits. And Ev now is consulting his notes again to tell us his next pearl of wisdom. One of the... One of the failed serendipities of our life, which was greatly successful, but as as business changed, we lost everything. We actually, I do not recall... What motivated me, not the sharpest person in the world financially, nor the richest person in the world financially, but to borrow enough money to rent a store in Schenectady and equip it with roasting ovens. And we were turkey people. We raised turkeys. We sold our turkeys for 89 cents a pound. And right across the street, there was a supermarket 
that sold them for 59 cents a pound. So yours must have been superior turkeys if people were going to pay the extra 30 cents. At least this is what the picture was that I gave them. My turkeys were raised on a ramp up off the ground. They did not walk on any dirt. They just worked on a clean, on a most, mostly clean floor. And uh, this was my selling point. And we were very successful because the second or third year we were in business, we, we oven roasted 250 turkeys for customers in Bellevue in Schenectady. That is a lot of turkeys, and this time of year it makes a very good story as everyone's getting ready to we roast were su- their We were successful turkeys. until the owners of the first shopping center in Schenectady approached me with a large marquee drawing, pick painting of turkey land in the shopping center. Mm. I'm a man, like all people, they search for identity. I was searching for identity. Their verbal words and the picture gave me an identity. And I told them that, yes, I would like to go in their shopping center, but I absolutely do not have the finances. They said, don't worry about that. We'll help you. That was probably the biggest egotistical mistake I ever made in my life. The end result was, after 10 years, In 1961, I was indebted for $30,000. I do not even remember how I climbed out of that financial abyss. But I did. We did. I didn't. We did. And this... This is one of the things of our life. Things happened that made it possible for us to still stay on the original Augsbury farm. And today it is also a successful farm raising and selling pasture, pasture-fed Chickens, turkeys, and pork. And there are people out there that will pay a premium when they know and can walk out and see their animals being raised naturally without any antibiotics or no no medical treatment whatsoever, no 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 uh, exotic chemicals to 
keep them healthy or anything like that. They just stay healthy because they're eating pretty much like they were, like God intended them to eat. So things have come full circle with full, the way people pr- used to farm, and now it's considered the healthy way to do it. Yes. Our, our youngest son, and as a matter of fact, all the children are involved in it. And uh, it is so gratifying for me to know that there is a future. What happens 20, 40, 50 years down, nobody knows what's going to happen. But right now I'm happy with what is happening in my life. Even in the midst of the absence of the 75 years associating with a very loving, caring person, my wife, Peg Vetter. Yes, she died earlier this year, and it, it must have left a huge a huge hole in your life. But you and seem to be to carrying on well. To compliment you and our, and our local newspaper, the bit. All I did was tell the life. She lived it, so it was nothing. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so tell us what's next in your notes there. Pardon? Tell us what's next in your notes. I can't wait to hear the next thing you've written down. You have such a wonderful storyline. And as Ev is reading, I'll just describe the uh, the the one I wanted to mention was uh, we are born as babies. And if God be willing, we have two feet to walk with. Two hands to grip with, and a brain that will help us direct them in the proper directions. We were fortunate. Peg lost her mother at the age of three, but when she found my mother through marriage, she she had a mother, and my mother had her first daughter, and that that was that was traumatic. That was a that was a match made in heaven. Only, only, it was just wonderful. It was just wonderful.
One one last thing I want to mention about the farm. The uh, not only did the did the roof rafters that were cast down as useless. to be destroyed the three the three crosses that are in front of St. John's Church are actually those crosses but there's one other cross very 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 important in my life because we made one more larger cross and on Easter dawn service and the Enterprise has a picture, carried a picture some years ago of at least 125 people there worshiping the Easter dawn service on a cross made out of discarded, useless trees that once in their lifetime the second time in their lifetime they could stand tall and be visible to the people. And if when Easter dawn comes and I'm no longer here, my spirit will be there. That's all the notes I have. Well, they were quite the deep and passionately spoken notes. Thank you so much. Whew, it's hard to even have a conversation after that. I, you're such a deep thinker. Well, God has given me... You read my book... how I could overcome what I did as a three-year-old child. Some of the dramatic experiences that I went through obviously became a solid foundation for me to see through the troubles and believe there was a greater power always someplace to draw strength from. And should you should you go this next Easter dawn service, hopefully I'll be there. But if I'm not, my spirit will be in that cross in that field for Easter dawn service. You, the name of the book is Standing Tall, and you've mentioned several times when you have talked about these discarded timbers that they could stand tall again. And we're going to interrupt this question because the phone has rung. <laughs> And Ev is answering it. Hello? Ever. Yes. 
I got to call you back. I'm busy right now. Okay, but Joe just called me. He's running 15 minutes late. Okay. Okay? Yep. Okay, bye. Bye. Everything is at his fingertips from his chair where he sits with his phone and his classical music that he said helped him stay calm more than whatever the doctor prescribed. But to go back to my question, this idea of standing tall seems very important to you, this sense of pride. Um, Can you tell us where that came from and why that's important to you? I believe... that there are people that are born and they become sensitive to the great power in the world that surrounds them. In my book, you will notice I mention many times, especially when I was had low blood sugar and didn't drive exactly right when I was tired and I would be on the throughway and hear the tires rumbling and look up ahead and see those great big round concrete support columns coming into view and wake up enough to steer past them, to stay on the road. I believe in a greater power. That must be a great source of strength to you. I can't understand it. I don't try. I just accept it. It's there. It's there. That kind of faith is hard to come by. Possibly. Possibly it's easy. (laughs) Well, as you look back at your long life with 98 years, what, what stands out for you as the thing that, that means the most or that, that most shaped you as a person? I may not have heard the question completely. But during my life, early on, my wife and I looked at life and said, we have to make friends. So we have to be friendly. And whatever success we might have had, in the direction of thousands of friends is proof that if you try to be friendly, people will be your friends. That is very good advice. Do you have any other advice that, as we close out this interview that you'd like to share with people? Just thoughts on... What made your life not just so long, but so very, very rich? You talked earlier about um, 
financially not necessarily being rich, but you're rich in so many other ways with such a sense of community. Do you have any parting words of advice? You may put this remark in the paper. I probably, in this locality, am probably the wealthiest person that I know, even though the thickness of my wallet does not indicate any great wealth. To me, there is two types of wealth, two or three types. There are gold coins that are worth a lot of money. There is uh, notes that people will give you that's worth a lot of money. There are money printed that's worth a lot of money. That I don't have. But the peace of mind that passes all understanding is in my wallet and in my heart and in my mind and I only can thank my Lord and Savior for that remark.